All right, thank you for being back in your place tonight. We had a really great Sunday. We've had really nothing but great Sundays this week, and thank you for your efforts and everything <clears throat> that you do. Um, we mentioned this morning, we were talking about serving, how um, so many different things to do, right? In a church of our size and all that's going on on a Sunday, if everybody's not in their spot doing their thing, it would show. And everything just goes very, very smooth because of your willingness to serve and be in your place. And I thank you for that. And, um, and it's not a small thing. It actually is a big thing. If people can come to church and not notice something out of place or some problem or whatever, that's a good thing. And people come to our church and they can just come into the service, drop their kids off or whatever, and just think about church. And so thank you for that. I want to look at this portion of scripture from Philippians chapter number four in a minute. There's a thought I want to pull from this. And I'll kind of be all over the map. We won't be long tonight. And um, I think it'll help us if we pay attention. But we do understand that some truths in life are, are best learned through experiences, through things that happen in life. And um, things that come to us in life, we cannot necessarily control them. But everything that happens to us, good, bad, you know, really bad, uh, we should be able to look at it and like, what can I learn from this situation? What is God trying to teach me? <clears throat> last, uh, I think it was not this year, or, or not last year, but the year before. No, it was last year. We were on vacation, and, and, and my daughter's family couldn't come. They were going to meet us the, after the first week, so, so our family took, uh, took Selah with us. And so that first week, we stopped at different hotels each night. And um, you know how kids are, right? Little kids. So that first night we're in the hotel and she's there and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, this, I try to get everything in order. Like, hey, say, like, go, see, go see Hannah and take your bath. And then she dropped this nugget of wisdom on me. I don't need to because I took a bath last night. I'm like, okay, sister, come here. Life lesson. We teach you a life lesson. You take one every day. I said, you got that? Yes, sir. Okay, I take back. Okay, life lesson number one. Take it. So the next day we're there, like, um, right, we're getting ready to leave. I say, did you brush your teeth? Well, you know, I brushed my teeth yesterday. I'm like, life lesson number two. You brush your teeth every morning, another every night, regardless. Now I've asked her since she's been home, and I don't think she's keeping a life lesson sometimes. But it's like that's and all through the thing. Like we were at a door, and someone opened the door for us and to walk in, and she didn't say anything. I'm like Sayla, come here. Life lesson number four, whatever it was. It's like when someone does something for you, you say thank you. And then later on, I had her call her mom, and her's like, hey, Grandpa's learning me life lessons. But as I've been following up with her, I don't think she really got them, okay? But life lessons, things that we need in life. Well, so often our life lessons are, are lessons learned through things that come our way, through situations, through our position in life. And that's really what Paul is going to teach us in here. We know that the book of Philippians is the book of joy. Um, and by the way, I'll say this, in the Christian life, we ought to have joy. I've heard people, well, that was weak, thank you, one. Uh, I've heard people preach, and it's almost like they can make anything in the Christian life sound unappealing. And I know some things are difficult, don't get me wrong. But I think that the, the tone of our life ought to be joy because I believe that there is joy in following the commands of God. 
I believe there is joy in, in serving and loving Jesus Christ. And Paul is trying to say here, really, if you put the number one theme of the book, it would be the joy of the Lord. Now, as we get to chapter four, a theme that he kind of, he, he, he mentions a few times is the mind. Why is it? Because what we allow in our mind, what we think about, what we learn in our mind is, comes out in our actions. The mind is that determining factor. We know, we know that from uh, the book of Romans. He mentions that several times. In verse two, he says, be of the same mind in the Lord. In verse seven of chapter four, he goes, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. In verse eight, he mentions a bunch of qualities, uh, things that are true, honest, lovely, just. If there be any praise as he gets to the end of it, think on these things. Now, in the scripture that we read, he takes it a step further. There's some key phrases there. In the, one of them in, in verse 11 is, for I have learned. The word learn means by usage or practice, by things that you are actually doing or, or, or what is going on in your life. In verse 12, he says, I am instructed. Instructed, we know that means just to be taught fully. What is Paul is saying is, I have learned some things. And if you look at verse 9, our first verse we read, he told the Philippians about, he talked to them about learning as well. He goes, those things which you have both learned and receive and heard and seen in me, uh, and uh, do, keep doing them. And the God of peace shall, shall be with you. But how did Paul learn these things? How can we learn some of these things? Well, there's many ways we can do book learning, you know, learn principles here or there. But the thing that makes the most impact on us is what happens in our life, the things that come our way on a daily basis. This is how David learned. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 71 and 72, he said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Something painful that comes our way. None of us would look at that type of thing and say, boy, that was good, right? But David gives a reason why we can see it as good, even though it may not feel good. Because he continues in that verse, he says, it has been good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And then he follows it up in verse 72. The law of my mouth is better unto me than thousands of silver and gold. Why? Because he was afflicted in life. And the affliction, or what was coming his way in life, caused him to learn God's statutes, and he not only learned them, he learned the value of them. They're more precious to me in silver and gold. What? You could have all the money and everything this world has to offer, right? If you go through a problem without God, you quickly understand that that money is of no value in those type of situations. And you realize that the valuable thing is your relationship with God. And so David said it, and, and Paul said it here, that, that these things not be, may be enjoyable, but we can still have joy, and everything that happens in our life can be a learning experience. And all of us are to learn. You cannot read the Bible without seeing that it is our responsibility, all of us, to learn God's word. It's our personal responsibility. And so we have to take that and we need, to, we need to apply it. So how do we do that? We do it by study, but we also do it in life experiences. Sometimes we will learn something from the Bible, and we have it up here, and it's in our mind, and it really doesn't come to, to play until something happens in our life. And then it's like, wow, what God said is really true. 
and it really becomes a part of who we are. And we need to learn these things. The situations of life. We've been talking about uh, uh, wisdom. <clears throat> and so we learn the truths of Scripture and we acquire knowledge, but we also take that knowledge we acquire and we need to turn it into wisdom is when we actually put it into practice in our life. And sometimes we learn these things when we have stuff that comes our way. So as, as I look at this passage, I see that uh, eight, and I know how it is, eight life lessons that Paul learned. You say, all right, pastor, here we go. 535, eight times four would be 30. Okay, just, just be with me. It's not long because they kind of build one upon a, another. But these are key things that Paul thought, hey, we're gonna, supposed to be joyful in the Lord. Let's learn these things. Here's the first one. He taught a lesson, a life lesson about joy. Here's the, here it is. Joy is not a result of your environment. Verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am. Now, he's not talking about like California, Oregon, Washington, that type of thing. Okay, where I'm at presently, whatever, wherever I'm at in my life, I have learned in that situation. Okay, by the way, Paul had a lot of negative things in his life. The fact of the matter is, as we look at his life and is everything wonderful in his life, uh, except for all the great things that happened in ministry and God working in him, there was a lot of other physical negatives that he faced on, our, on, a, on an everyday scale. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, listen to what Paul talks about, because he was persecuted. Of the Jews, five times I received 49 stripes, save one. That's 39. They weren't allowed to go over 39 because they thought if you hit them more than 39, you'd kill them. Twice, thrice, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not the way some of you have been stoned, okay? Uh, <laughs> moving, moving on. I know this crowd. Moving on quickly. Thrice, I suffered shipwreck. <clears throat> a night and a day, I have been in the deep, in the water. In journeys offering, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, I mean anywhere he went, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. You know what Paul was saying? Everywhere I've went in my life, I've had to face this. I've had to face persecution. He also faced disappointment. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 is, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that he may not be laid to their charge. Paul had people that were working with him, and when the chips were down, and when he needed their encouragement, they bailed on him. And he was left alone. Now, thankfully, if you read the rest of that chapter, so we're not depressed here, he said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with him. Amen? He learned that in difficult times, God is still there for him. He talks about the physical pain that he had. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given a thorn in the flesh. He had some physical maladies. Now, you put that all together. And this is the same guy that said in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Just a few verses before the verses we get to. What's he saying? That is something he learned. He learned that you can have joy regardless of your geography, regardless of your where you're at, regardless of your environment. That goes against our society, by the way. 
We think that if we change, if we could change the environment, we can change everything in this country, everybody would be healthy and happy. It's not going to happen that way because we're mankind. And it's not environment. Uh, so, so it's about our relationship with God. That's the only thing that got Paul through. So quit looking to have joy if everything in your life is on target. If everything in your life is on board. If everything in your life, there's smooth sailing. I wish, uh, I, look, I, I meet with people sometimes and I talk to them and the situations they face and I wish I could just say smooth sailing for you and get that fixed, but life isn't always li like that. But you can still have joy because the Lord is always with you. Paul learned that lesson. Regardless of the circumstances in life, you can have the joy of, Lord, of the Lord with you. Don't let anything steal your joy. You say, Pastor, I know I should have joy, but sometimes I just don't. Know. I don't. If you don't, it's because you've allowed something to steal it. Could be a person. It could be a problem. And by the way, the problem or the person doesn't steal your joy. You give it up. You can have joy. And I'm not sitting here saying today that it's easy. I'm not. I'm not. It's hard sometimes. That's why we need to run to the Bible. We learn that because the situations of life teach us a life lesson that he wants us to have joy, and I can still have it even in negative circumstances. It's not always easy. But with the Lord's help, you can get there. And so you need to have joy. You know, it's funny how the Bible tells us that we're supposed to let our light so shine before this world. And, and, and I understand, this is not a knock, it's, it's hard. We can't sometimes show the light of the Lord if, if, if our spirit, and I get it, we're all weak, but we need to work on it. And I, and just, what do you, just go to the Lord. Understand that God has a purpose for it. Paul, really, other than the ministry and the friends that he had, Paul went through a lot. And yet Paul had the joy of the Lord. Joy is available any place, any time, in any situation. And I understand when I say that, I'm not just saying it like it's something simple, but you can't get there. You can get there. And so Paul learned that in his life, that, hey, I can still have joy regardless of where I'm at. Then he learned a second lesson. These are different, but they all really kind of tie together. He learned a life lesson about contentment. Now, you can have joy in any environment. The life lesson about contentment is contentment is attainable in every situation. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Any state, things are good. He can be content. Things are kind of just, you know, what is it, meh? Just like, huh? Things are, I can still be content. Things are a struggle. I can still be content. By the way, it's something you have to, Learn. It's not something that is natural to our human, uh, our, 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 our human makeup. What is contentment? Understanding that God has given me everything I need in my life right now and everything I need to have joy in my life right now. That's contentment. So what, 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 what strips me of that? Discontentment. Here's discontentment. Always believing that there is something else that I need in my life and something else I need to have joy. Do you understand the difference there? We're always looking for more. By the way, that's, if Satan has a lot of tricks, that's a good one that he always throws at us. You need one more thing. 
You're never going to be happy unless you get this. You're never going to be content unless you get that. Blah, blah, blah. And we keep reaching and we keep reaching and we keep reaching. And you know what I have found? A person that's discontented, whatever they're reaching for, when they grab it, they're still discontent. They want more. Contentment is, and by the way, there's a, there's a positive of that, right? If I'm, if I'm not in what the world would say is a great state, but I'm content, guess what happens? If God blesses me or I do work hard or something happens and I get more, I'm still content. I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't depend on what's going on around me. I'm, I'm discontented because, uh, because people have let me down. No, I'm, I'm contented even though people have let me down. Guess what? When people don't let you down, you'll still be contented. And so let's not, let's, see, we ruin now by always looking to the future. I'm never going to be happy. i got to have it. Why is that? Because we all, human nature always wants more. It's just like we can't help ourselves. Years ago, I saw, I saw a new story. I wouldn't have believed it, but I saw the video. In a small town in one of these little, I hate to say hick town, that's where all my relatives live, but some little hick town, something that was a, a guy was running a small bank, and he started, he started embezzling from the bank, and the bank was struggling, and I think it was something like, back then, it was probably 20 years ago, like $8,000 he owed, and no one found out, but the bank was having some financial struggles, and they were about to find out, so here's what he did. Now, I'm not saying this is a good life plan. He got some money. He took a little extra money and said, I'm going to go gamble and win that $8,000 or whatever it was back. I saw the video, Brother Dan. He went to Vegas. He's at the whatever table it was. And they showed him, you know, he had a few chips. About an hour or something later, he had a bunch of chips. He had enough, John, to pay it off. That's why he went. And instead of walking away with that money, and I'm not saying this is a good plan, he kept going. And then they showed it an hour later, and he went bankrupt. And he went to jail. Now, what's the point of that? Listen, if you're gambling when you win, stop. And tithe. No, I'm not saying that. That's just a picture of human nature. Jail was on the line and he couldn't stop when he actually had this lame plan that worked. But we do that. I got to have more. And now it's all consuming. And no matter how much you get, you'll never be happy because you're discontent. You say, well, pastor, I could be as happy as somebody else. I can be content as somebody else if I, if, if, if I had what they had. Well, first of all, you don't know if they're content. And second of all, that's not true. Contentment doesn't come by what you have. And so Paul learned that lesson. By the way, Paul, Paul went from being a leader in the religious sect he was in to being persecuted, to being, to being literally people trying to kill him for what he was preaching, starving and all this stuff, and prisoner. An unchecked desire for more will always lead and keep us at discontentment. Let's just be content. Learn to be happy with what you had. Uh, Pastor, when somebody knew, they were at, he, some people asked questions. And I, they asked something like this. And he said, <clears throat> I'm a rich man because I have what I want to have. I have what I need. There it is. Number three, the clock's starting to spin. He learned a life lesson about maturity. 
Here it is. And all of these, the first ones have to do with where we're at in life. Maturity thrives in every level of provision. I know how, I know about both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Paul learned this. He learned the how. That's the key word, to handle all levels of life. When you learn how to, when you learn the how of how to handle what's going on in your life, good, bad, ugly, that's maturity. And Paul said, I have learned how to be abased. The word abased means humble, to be brought down low. He also said, and I know, I know how to abound. That's when you exceed, things are going well. Paul learned maturity that says, listen, if things aren't going well, I can handle it. I've learned how to do that. I'm mature enough to deal with it. I also learned, if God is blessing me, how to handle that. You do realize sometimes people stumble more in prosperity than they do when they don't have as much. It's funny, right? When things aren't going well and we need God, boy, we run to him and we're there sometimes and then things get better and what do we do? We move on because we don't need that anymore. Things are going well. I've seen it. Over the years, now not a lot, but I've seen people, their life is a train wreck. They got nothing but problems. They come into church. God works in their life. God is healing things. And things get good. You know what they do? They walk out of church. And nothing, and here comes the problems again. You have to be very careful about that. Maturity says, I know how to handle the good. I know how to handle the bad. He learned that. He wasn't saying he learned how to experience those things as much as he learned how to handle them. Yeah, I, I found out something about people. When we went to start a church in Clearwater, Florida, uh, that was a retirement community. A lot of older people. So when we go out, we met them. A lot of them would retire to there. A lot of them would come down during the winter. They called them snowbirds, right? They're leaving the, the north to get down there. And so we met a lot of people who were at the end of their life. And I found out something about a lot of the older people. Now, this is a generalization, but bear with me. There were a lot of them that were just bitter. Negative spirited, you know, like when you get older, you just don't care what anybody thinks anymore, right? What you are just comes out. And there was a lot of them that were super sweet. And you know, the thing is, they all went through a lot of things in their life. You know, I found out the ones who had the bitter spirit, they didn't handle the bad things that came into their life very well. And they, allow it, they allowed that to sour their outlook on life. Where some of these sweet saints who had been through all of that problem, and they knew what was going on, and they handled it, and they trusted the Lord. It's like, it didn't do anything but be, make them better. That's maturity. And that's what he was looking for. Maturity is not about how life treats you, but how you respond to it. So how are you responding in the things that come to your life? Are you saying, I want to know how to handle this? I want to know how to get through this as a Christian. Number four, he learned a life lesson about knowledge. Now here it is. Knowledge can be gained in every circumstance of life. Verse 12, he goes, going on from verse 12, he goes, everywhere and in all things I am instructed. And then he goes back to the theme, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound, have more than I need, and to suffer need, not have what I need. He said, I, everywhere and all things, I'm instructed. I got knowledge through what was going on in my life. He saw every opportunity in his life, he saw everything in his life as an opportunity to know something to be instructed. 
Now look, all of us will go through things in life. What are you learning from it? I mean, use it. You can't control it. You can try to let God work in your life, but what are you learning from it? Because here it is. If you don't learn anything from it, it's a wasted opportunity. You've wasted it. God could have really showed you something. God could have taught you something that would help you not only in your life, that could help you to help somebody else in their life, right? How often has somebody went through something, and you know what happens later on? They'll meet somebody that's going through that same thing, and it's like, I know how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through. That's what James taught us. In James chapter 1, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That means trials. James said, when you go into a trial, just account that as to being joy. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh, worketh patience. He said, you can still have joy. And you learn patience, right? None of us are naturally patient. We don't like bad things. We don't like to be slowed down. We don't like having to deal with things. And sometimes God says, you know what? This thing in your life, slow down. Let me work in your life. But let patience have her perfect work. That means maturing. That you may be perfect and entire. Maturing. God wants to, we talked about maturing. So often we do that through the knowledge we gain through the trials we go through. But here's why we struggle. We know this verse very well. First five, five of chapter of James, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask a God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. And it shall be given him. Now, I learned a long time ago, that should be on your prayer list, wisdom. And it is, and it should be. But you know what the context of that is? It's verse 5, right after trials. See, because so often we don't ask God for wisdom until something bad's going on. And God's telling us when something bad is going on, come to me. Pray for, to me. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you what you need to get through this. And we try to, you know, we try to man up. We try to internalize it and take it to ourselves. And God goes, hey, hey, that's not how it works. I'm here. I'm trying, I'll, I'll use this to produce something in your life. Come to me so I can help you get these things. That only happens. So what are you learning from everything that's taking place in your life? And by the way, I'll say this, you can learn it in the good times as well as the bad. I'd rather learn in the good times than the bad, right? What, what if God's trying to teach us a specific trait? And he's like, you know, what if he says, you know, Something good was happening in your life and you didn't catch it, so I had, to let, I had to let this in your life so you'd get it. Do we do that with our children? I want them to, well, they're all grown now, but I want them to learn certain lessons as they were growing up. I would rather they learn lessons without having to be disciplined. Like, hey, good job. But sometimes it's like, okay, here we go. Let's go to the negative side of the ledger. You're going to have to learn this. And so why don't we learn from the situations of life? It's like you take a class at school. If you don't pass it, you got to take it again. I was in college. I had to take um, non-credit English. You know what non-credit English was? A class you didn't get credits for because you didn't pass the entrance test. And then when I didn't pass, look, I literally went to the, the first, and I, didn't, I ditched high school. That, that, that probably was the issue right there. And I go, and the very first question on the, on the test was, name the eight parts of speech. I'm not lying. I'm like, I had never 
even heard that phrase in my life. I'm like, eight parts of speech, you know, lips, tongue, teeth, I just, tonsils. I looked around, and all the other kids, because they all came from Christian schools, they're like writing it down. I'm like, okay, well, I got my name right. Good start. I just got up and turned the test in and went and got coffee. I had to take non-credit English. Guess what? That was worse than the test. The teacher kept asking me questions. Mr. Myers, would you like to answer that? And I wanted to stand up and say no. I had no clue what she was talking about. She goes, this is just review for some of you. I'm like, review? I don't even know what the eight parts of speech are. I took that, I, I didn't fail, I, I failed that one. Say, so what happened? I took the class again, and I failed it again. Third time's a charm. Okay? Look, if you don't fail, you don't move on. Right? You've, you miss, you, you, you fail a quiz, you got to take it again. So let's not fail the test that God brings our way. Number five, a life lesson about accomplishment. Now, I will say this. Listen to what I'm going to say for number five. The balance is in point number six. I'm not talking about humanism here, but point six will balance this out, so bear with me. Accomplishment is available if we're willing to act. In the context of all of this learning, Paul says, I can do all things. Wow. In everything that's going on in your life, through all these situations, goes good, bad, ugly, indifferent. I can do all things. Despite every lesson in life we may learn, we accomplish nothing of any value, eternally, practically, unless we're willing to put forth the effort. You know, sometimes, listen, we over-spiritualize things. God is just going to do something. And then we sit down and we don't do anything. God's waiting for you to move too. God uses human instruments. I want God to do something in my life. Well, what are you doing to give God some material to work with? Are you willing to get up and move so God can work through you? No, we, we, because what we're doing is we're bringing our society into our Christianity. Right? Society doesn't want to do anything and wants to be given everything. It's not helping them. They're really good at video games. Pastor, I don't know what to do. My son just wants to play video games. Take it away from him. He didn't buy it. Pastor, he's on his phone all day long. Children shouldn't have phones. They just, they're really good. I mean, if, you're, if, if that was lifting weights, their muscles would be ripped. I mean, their, their fingers would be ripped. Now, I'm not against playing a little bit of video game here or there, but the point is, we don't do anything else. We have no responsibility. The society runs around saying, me, me, give me, give me, give me, and they're not willing to stand up and do anything. Life doesn't work that way, right? We want to give everything, everybody everything they need, no accountability, no personal responsibility. It doesn't help. It actually hurts. And everything is just expected to be given us that we don't have to put in the effort. We're setting ourselves up for failures, you see, and, and by the way, God treats us the way we ought to treat our children. What we try to do is sometimes we say, you know, growing up it was hard for me. And I get that. I'm not saying we purposely make it hard for our kids. But you know, you probably learn some things through the struggles. And so I'm a parent too, right? We don't want our, our kid, children to go through anything, but sometimes struggle's good. 
right? I, I remember I read a story uh, several years ago, and I think it was cod. Back in the days before we had the, the systems to transport you know, food easily out here, they would ship cod from the East Coast, I think it was cod, to the West Coast for people to buy and to eat. So what they would do is they'd put them in these ships and take them, but they'd keep them alive until they got here. But they realized something, that the cod that was getting to the West Coast was not very good. The, 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 fish, were, the, the fish was flabby, and they weren't very toned, and it just, it, it, I'm not a fish person, so it all tastes bad to me. But it's like, and it was ruining the taste of the fish. They came up with an ingenious plan. It was real simple. You know what they did? They took a, a one fish that was a, 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 not a bad one, but a little bit of a predator to the cod, and they dropped it in that tank. And so that whole trip, the cod needed to be on alert and be running around. Well, guess what? They were, they were in shape. I don't know. That's a really bad story because they were in shape to get here to be killed, to be eaten. But you get the point. Okay? What kept them in shape was the fact that they had some predators to run from, not just drive in a ship and be overfed. See, sometimes these things are good for us, but we have to get up and learn how to do it. If everybody all, look, <clears throat> everything, we want everybody to take our, our, our sometimes even self-inflicted problems, and, and, and we're, we're all about helping, but sometimes you got to do your part. Like, I want to get through this. You know what? Man up, get God's help, and go work through it, and God will work in your life. You can do it. You can accomplish things, but you need to do your part. So what's the second part of that? Number six, he had a life lesson about strength. Strength is found in him and not self. That's the second part of the verse. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If it's I can do all things, that's pride. If we think, well, Christ will do everything, then that's also, it's also not going to work. The two go together. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Both of the pieces of the puzzle need to go together. And by the way, let's go back to my point last time. I've heard everybody they'll say, oh, pastor, things are going to go well. Don't worry about me. I can do all things through Christ. Why do they always stop there? And I know that's just how we are. I'm not being belittling. But that last part, which strengtheneth me. How does he strengthen me when I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to be doing? Right? This fallacy in Christianity, like, I just can't live for God to do it. You know, he's just got to do it. I'm not able. That's not true. You're able because as you seek to do it, Christ does it through you by giving you the strength to be able to do it. But if you're not willing to do it, he's not going to give you that strength. But the good news is this. When we seek to do it, he'll give us the strength. Lord, I can't do this, and it's hard, and I know the steps i got to take, and, and I just can't do it, but, but I'm going to do it. He says, I'm there. Let's go. And he'll strengthen us as we take those steps. Very important. Strength is found in him and not self. We know that from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31. It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me give you the last two. Number seven, he learned a life lesson about provision. Provision from God, can come through others. Now, I had this outlined already, and Joseph, this point is on you, because you mentioned this last week. Paul's talking about all the lessons he learned. He's talking about after all these things he said he learned, he said, now I know I can do it through Christ which strengthened in me, and verse 14 says, 
notwithstanding. In spite of that, ye have done well that you did communicate with me. See, these people gave to his need, as Joseph told us last week. But just because God could do something and take care of their, his needs didn't mean that the Christians should not help to take care of his needs. Right? We tell people, oh, you know, I'm praying for you, bro. But wait a minute. Maybe you should help them. Have you ever thought of this? You could be the answer to somebody's prayer. Right? You ever pray for something? You have a need or something, you're praying about it, and God answered it, but how many times does he answer it through somebody else? Think about that, because God will prompt them. Even though you say, well, it's, it's over-spiritualizing, and it's not over-spiritualizing, because God will take care of them, but if God prompts us to be part of the answer, why don't we be part of the answer? He said, you guys, you helped me. You were there. You gave me the things that I needed. Don't you want to be an answer to someone's prayer? Here's how most of us are. 1 John 3, 17. And I'll probably, I've been like this in my life at times, and I, and I don't say that, I, I regret it. It says, whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion on him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? There'll be times you'll see something, and you'll feel a prompt, God says, why don't you help? And you're like, no, they can, they, they can figure it out on their own. God says, how, how dwelleth the love of God in you? You know, you have what you need. Be warmed and filled. Well, why don't you warm them and fill them? God might want to use you. And God learned the lesson that others can be the answer to his prayers. Others can be the helpers to help get him the things that he needs. That goes along with this last one, a life lesson about abundance. Abundance comes in response to giving, not receiving. Verse 19, this is in the context of them giving to Paul the things that he needed. They said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You want to claim that? Okay. Have you ever helped somebody? Right? See, I have found that, 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 that people that are stingy don't get a lot of help. Because they don't, if someone's not willing to help someone else, their compassion level is going to be super low. And what God is, and I understand sometimes we can't help anybody we do it, and God's going to help us. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want to be stingy. I want to like, hey, God, God you know, the, the person God blesses is those who are is blessing others. Remember pastor used to give a little silent sermon, right, praying for God to give him, and people give it to him, and he shares with others, and then he starts keeping it, and God quits supplying, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to scare us. I'm trying to make a point. We want God to supply our need. Well, let's not make sure that we're hoarding. Let's not make sure as we are asking God to meet our need that we don't look outside the four walls of our home. We don't look outside of ourselves to others that also have needs. Now, there was a lot I said tonight, but the point is this. We're going to learn some things in life, and, and God's lessons, God's truth is really learned when we get down to apply it to our life. I said a lot of different things. I wanted to go through this chapter, but what is God trying to teach you in your life? What is it in your, can we take everything we learn, everything that's going on in our life, and can we give it a spiritual component? God, what are you trying to do here? We ask the question, why, right? How many of you ever asked that? I have. Like something happens, I'm like, God, I don't get it. Why? Why did you do that? 
You know what a better question is? Lord, I don't understand it. That's not how I would have done it, which is good because we're not God, amen? But like, Lord, what do you want me to get out of this? How do you want me to act in this situation? What, what am I supposed to do? That's the better question. That's when you learn what God's trying to teach you. Let's stand together tonight, please. Could we bow our head and close our eyes for a minute? What do they say? Life is the school of hard knocks, right? What are you learning? Let's not waste these opportunities that God gives us in the situations of life. I have learned a lot of things during times in my Christian life where I've had some trials and some things I've had to go through. I found that if I let it, God really teaches me. That whole thing about, I, never, I didn't hear anybody connect that thing about wisdom until I was going through something. I was reading through James and I'm like, wait a minute. That wisdom is right there. It's tied to that verse. Change the way I pray. What is, what is God trying to teach you in your life? Because we are either going to learn those lessons or we're going to reject them or we're going to ignore them. And we've wasted an opportunity to grow. We've wasted an opportunity to get some wisdom in our life. Let's not waste our life opportunities. They're everywhere. The piano is going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come tonight? Let God teach us. Let us, let us, let him make his word real to us in the things that are going on in our life.